Hello and welcome to the Brain Over Binge podcast, where you learn a simple brain-based approach to ending binge eating. I'm Katherine Hansen, your host, and it's my mission in my books and in this podcast to share an alternative perspective on binge eating and give you a practical way to recover. Whether you're a regular listener or you're here for the first time today, I know you'll find this episode very valuable. I'm doing something a little different today and something I hope to do more of in the future, and that's to interview a guest on the show. Today's guest is near and dear to me, and if you're a regular listener, you'll know her very well too, because she was my co-host for the first 11 episodes, and she's come back on the show as a co-host from time to time. So I thought, who better to be the first guest on the podcast than Cookie Rosenblum? Hi, Cookie. Hi, Catherine. I do feel like somewhat of a regular here, but I wanted to say thank you for the opportunity, of course, to talk with you again, and also to talk with your audience and to share a little bit about what my work is all about. Today, Cookie's here not as a co-host, but actually as a guest to share her own expertise with us about an important topic. She's going to help you understand the difference between binge eating and other problematic eating habits like emotional eating or overeating. This podcast is about ending binge eating, but you may sometimes have a bit of a lack of clarity about what a binge is and what a binge is not for you. You may have an extra dessert after dinner, and then you start feeling guilty and wonder if that's a binge. You may start to feel sad about a breakup and then find yourself eating a few big scoops of ice cream and then wonder if that behavior is part of the same behavior as when you feel completely out of control and eat thousands of calories at a time. You may be putting all of these problematic eating behaviors into the category of binge eating when in fact they're actually different behaviors that may require different solutions, or at least slightly different solutions. Cookie, can you explain why it's important to talk about the differences in these type of problematic eating behaviors? Yes, let me talk a little bit about that, Catherine. It's important to understand the difference because we all have this tendency to think in black and white, right? Either we're all good and our eating is all good or our eating is all bad. So when we eat outside of the box from how we want to eat, we tend to generalize about ourselves and our eating, and we just put it all in the bad bucket. And we're also trained, I think, from survival, you know, from going back millions of years, the way our brains have developed is we're trained to focus on the negative, and that's to protect us from threats. But now that we no longer have so many immediate threats, we're still tempted to focus on what's wrong. So if we know what exactly what we're doing and we could define our problem and be very specific instead of generally thinking that everything's wrong with our eating, then we can get the right solution for the problem. It's really hard to get a clear solution when we don't have clarity about what our problem actually is. Yes, that makes so much sense. And in this podcast and in my books and also in the Brain Over Binge group course that we do together, we really focus on ending binge eating. But Cookie, in your work, I know that you focus on a variety of these eating issues. And every individual is so unique. But can you explain the different categories of problematic eating so we all understand it better? Sure. And actually, Catherine, you and I have talked about this a lot. So I'm going to add in a little bit of what you and I have talked about. But to start with, let's look at emotional eating first. This is probably the top issue that I deal with with my work. So what is an emotion? An emotion is caused by a thought that goes through your mind. 
So something happens in the world for you, whatever it may be, and then you have a thought about whatever it is that happened. And a thought is just like a sentence in your mind, something that goes through your mind. Now, when this thought goes through your mind, it creates a feeling, a feeling I use interchangeably with the word emotion. So I'm not talking about a physical feeling like tired or hungry. I'm talking about an emotional feeling. So it's a vibration in your body that you feel as happy or sad or angry, whatever it may be. There's so many different feelings. Now, when these feelings go through your body, if they're negative, a lot of us have trained ourselves to run away from the feelings. And we do that because they just feel uncomfortable. And we have the belief that we should be happy all the time and we should avoid discomfort whenever possible. So you may have linked eating when you're not hungry to having an uncomfortable feeling and trying to escape that feeling. And that's what emotional eating is. Feeling uncomfortable as a result of what you're thinking and then grabbing something to eat to feel better. Now that will make you temporarily feel better, but it's also going to leave you with that unwanted result of extra weight on your body. And most people, of course, don't want the extra weight, but we all think in that moment, I'm so uncomfortable. I have no choice. I need to eat something. So I work on emotional eating a lot. And one of the most important things to know when you think about emotions and food is that there is no emotion in the world that you really can't handle. It's more just that you've trained yourself that some of them, because they don't feel great, that you tend to run away from them. And usually this comes from childhood. Now, the second category is, for me, binge eating. And this is what you work on primarily, Catherine, and this is what we work on together in our Brain Over Binge group courses. So, so many people I work with start off by telling me that they're binge eaters because they think if they overeat any food that they consider it a binge. And actually, a binge is very different from, from what a lot of them are doing. Here's what I mean. Now, binge eating is more extreme than emotional eating, but for these listeners today, please do not latch onto the word extreme because that doesn't mean there's not a solution. Of course there is. I just want to help you identify it and distinguish it from emotional eating. And as you know from listening to Catherine many times, that binge eating is that habit of having strong urges to eat large quantities of food in relatively short periods of time, mostly. Some people stretch it through a whole day and then being very uncomfortable physically and emotionally. So you might also be uncomfortable after general emotional eating too, but this usually comes from eating, stretching your stomach, but also from beating yourself up from what you just did. But binge eating is not necessarily caused by a negative emotion like emotional eating. And let me back up for a minute. Emotional eating is connected to or associated with a negative emotion. It's caused by a habit in your brain, a pathway that when you feel this, you do that. Obviously, negative emotions don't cause emotional eating because if they did, then everyone in the world who was going through anything challenging would always emotionally eat. And we know that's not true. So with binge eating, 
your brain develops this pattern of responding to lots of different situations in life by eating as much as your body will hold. And it may have nothing to do with a particular emotion or one particular trigger. But once you've done this several times, the part of your brain that's wired for survival, your lower brain, is going to offer that let's binge solution to you over and over again. And then the more you do it, the stronger the urges will become until you think you're not able to control yourself. So thinking of that continuum, then emotional eating might be near the beginning or the middle. I think habitual overeating would be on the far left end, and then emotional eating might be in the middle, and then binge eating might be further along. And we'll talk about that more, I think, in a few minutes, because it doesn't mean it's worse. It just means it's a stronger pathway in your brain. So one of the things, Catherine, that people come to me and they say is, well, you know, I ate a whole section of Oreos in the package. I think I'm a binge eater. And I would say, if you eat a whole sleeve of Oreos when you're upset, but then you stop, I would say you're probably not. If you eat a whole sleeve of Oreos, whether you're upset or not, and then you move on to other things, even though you're stuffed, I would say, yes, there's probably a good chance that you are, but you know yourself best. There's one more type of overeating that I want to talk about today, Catherine. You can either call it compulsive overeating or habitual overeating. And this is just the more generic type of eating more food than you need. Maybe you're hungry when you start eating, but you continue way past the point of comfortable satisfaction. So people who overeat regularly, usually they're somewhat disconnected from their bodies. They know when they're very, very hungry or very, very full, but maybe they have a hard time distinguishing the feelings of being a little hungry or the beginning of becoming satisfied or full. So when you're a habitual eater, you might eat when other people are eating or when the food looks or smells good, or maybe you see a commercial on television and you start thinking about eating. So you keep eating if the food tastes good and you don't really take into account how much your body really needs. Or you may look at the clock or maybe you say, oh, I can't eat later, I'll be in a meeting, so I'm gonna eat now, even if they're not hungry. So all three are pretty different, and I think it's important to figure out, and some people may have more than one, but it's important to figure out which one is more predominant for you so that you can have an idea of how to begin going about stopping it, changing that habit. I love the way you explain the continuum of these eating habits. I think that's a great way to visualize it. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to dive a little more into emotional eating because it's an area where I often get a lot of questions and where I imagine some of our listeners may have questions as well. You've likely heard us talking in previous episodes and me talking in episodes about the fact that you do not have to solve your emotional problems in order to stop binging. And that binge eating is actually not a coping mechanism for emotions or for problems. So some of you, when hearing about emotional eating, may actually feel slightly confused by this because if you don't need to solve your emotional problems or to feel better in order to stop binge eating, do you need to solve them in order to stop eating emotionally? I imagine that's a question that some of our listeners may have. You know, Cookie, in our work together, we also think that you don't need to solve them necessarily in order to stop 
emotional eating as well. But could you talk a little bit about that and what you do, I guess, with your clients to help them work on the emotions, but then also break the habit as well? Right. So the first thing is to know that it's a habit. Just like binge eating is a habit of a pathway in your brain that keeps coming up only because your lower brain thinks it's useful. Well, emotional eating is a pathway in your brain too. It's triggered by feeling something that you consider uncomfortable. The funny thing is, Catherine, that people think it's only negative emotions that are uncomfortable, but if you're an emotional leader, you might even feel like overeating when you're happy, when it's, you know, when it's an extreme positive emotion. But in any case, I see binge eating as further down the continuum from emotional eating, meaning it's a stronger pathway. But when you deal with it, you're still just working on that pathway. You're dealing with it unemotionally. You're dealing with it without thinking there's anything wrong with you. And you just want to rewire that pathway. Well, with emotional eating, there's two pieces of this. So one is you still want to work on the pathway. It's still just a habit. It's a habit of feeling something, thinking something, and then wanting to eat and following through. And we want to change that pathway so you can feel whatever it is you're feeling and not run away by eating, but not also feeling like I must change my emotional state so I don't eat. You can stay in that emotion and still not eat by viewing it just like we view those urges to binge. Like this is just the part of my brain that's sending me an old useless message. Now, the other piece of what I do, which is optional to stopping, but feels good, is that I teach you how to understand where your thoughts and feelings and beliefs all come from and how they interplay together and how they're connected to this habit that you have of eating when you feel something that you'd rather not. And yes, there is a way to deal with stress. There is a way to deal with repetitive thoughts that don't make you feel good. So you can work on your emotions. I call it managing your mind. But still, even if you don't do that, you're still capable of looking at emotional eating as an urge to do something that you don't want to do, but it's habitual and you can stop that way. But do you have to, quote, fix yourself and be happy all the time to stop? Absolutely not. And I don't know anyone who is happy all the time. Yeah, it makes sense. So in emotional eating, you still don't have to cope perfectly with those emotions or solve all of your emotional problems. And the emotions still aren't the cause. It's still that urge, that impulse that's causing you to do what you're doing with food. And you can still learn to unlink the emotions from the eating. Absolutely. And, you know, in every change that we want to make, I think part of the first step is stepping back and beginning to see what you're doing and beginning to look at it differently. So instead of being so upset that you're doing it and you can't believe it and you think there's something wrong with you, instead of going through all that drama, to just step back and look at the facts. What am I feeling? What am I thinking? What am I doing? What's going through my mind? And try to take it apart as if you were writing a news story where somebody said, all right, just give me the facts and take it apart and see what's actually happening. And then you could begin to see when this happens, I feel like this, and then I want to do that. And that's how you can begin to change. But you're right, Catherine, 
you know, emotional eating, just like binge eating, you don't have to clean up your your mental life. You don't have to become a different kind of person and a different personality in order to stop doing something that you know is not beneficial to you. Yeah. And my thoughts are that nothing is wrong with you too. If you find yourself eating when you're sad or when you're lonely, it's just a habit you've created. And people do many things emotionally. Like some people will zone out and watch TV when they get sad. Some people will have a glass of wine if they feel stressed. And Really, the list goes on. And because you may have developed the habit of eating when you're feeling a certain emotion, I think there's a popular idea that binge eating is actually just an extreme form of emotional eating. It seems like it's automatically assumed that because some people who are stressed or sad or lonely may eat, this must mean that binge eaters actually are really sad or really stressed or they must be very broken emotionally or completely unable to cope. And I actually think this is a mistaken way of thinking. I don't think it's helpful because it's not empowering. And it can make you as a binge eater feel like recovery is very elusive because you have so many emotional issues to solve. And in most cases, actually, the binge eating just develops in response to restriction, in response to the body and brain being starved and then trying to protect you. So if you start binging in response to a diet and then you learn this popular idea that you're emotionally broken... I think that it does hinder recovery. What are your thoughts on that, Cookie? I agree. And it becomes frustrating and very confusing because then you're on this new path of examining yourself and looking for what's wrong with you and looking for problems that you didn't even know you had. And the truth is, you don't, I mean, everybody has issues that they'd like to work on. Nobody's happy all the time. Everybody has ups and downs. And as you said, sometimes we deal with sadness or loneliness by having a cup of ice cream or an extra cookie. There's nothing so terrible about that. It's only when it becomes a big habit and either it takes up a lot of space in your mind and your life or changes your body in a way that doesn't feel good to you, that's when you need to pay attention to it. But in no way does it mean that there's something wrong with any of you that do it, it's more just that inadvertently you formed a pathway that in that moment temporarily made you feel better, but then through repetition and doing it over and over and over, it became a habit. But the good news is that any habit that you developed can also be undeveloped, can also be unlearned. But I agree. And what's funny now also, Catherine, is that you know, our society uses the word binge for so many things. As you said, you know, we binge watch Netflix, we binge watch TV, you know, we binge on our favorite things, not necessarily things to eat. So binging to everybody simply means like treating yourself or making yourself feel better by giving yourself a lot of something you know, the way that we mean it all is when you're doing something to the detriment of your own happiness. Yeah, exactly. I think it's come to mean in popular society, you just do a lot of something for fun. And, you know, binging as we work with our clients is really has a clinical definition to it. And there's that fundamental feeling of being out of control. It's not just choosing to do something for fun. It's very different. So I think this use of the word in society actually can serve to minimize the problems that binge eaters face. That's right. And I think one of the telling signs of, is it a problem for you or not, whether it's binging or emotional eating is, 
in the moment, it may feel temporarily, briefly okay or good, but how do you feel after? And if you don't feel good afterwards, whether it's physical or emotional, then you know that maybe this is an issue for you. Because when we talk about all the things that people do in the world now that are in that binging category, like watching shows, if they have neglected something that's important to them afterwards, they will feel guilty or regretful or worried about what they neglected. If you have overindulged to the point where you're very uncomfortable, or you know that you're not helping your body, you're not helping yourself and you're regretful afterwards, then you know it's something that you want to work on. But if you're doing something for fun and you watch one extra show and stay up one extra hour later, or you're eating a delicious dessert and you indulge in a few more extra bites than your body technically needs, but you feel fine afterwards, then it's not a big deal. It's not a big problem. So I think it's important to really distinguish what is a real binge, what is something that I would consider emotional eating, what's just habitual overeating. How would you define what you're doing so you can know what kind of help to look for? Talking about these different eating habits is a multifaceted topic. And Cookie, you do a great job of addressing these issues and the topics of compulsive overeating and emotional eating, as well as binge eating in your own podcast, which for the listeners is called Weight Loss Made Real. And if you're a binge eater or a former binge eater and you feel like you're ready to move on to address these other eating issues, you should definitely check out that podcast. And maybe listening to this show, you're someone who thought you were binging, but by listening today, you now think that maybe your behaviors are more in line with compulsive overeating or emotional eating. And if that's the case for you, I know that Cookie's work can help you. Cookie, can you tell the listeners where they can learn more? And also, I know you have a program coming up to give people even more support in overcoming these issues. And I'd love you to tell us more about that. Thank you for letting me share that, Catherine. I do have a group for overeaters of all varieties, but not binge eating. This is separate. Overeating and emotional eating. It's a coaching group and it's called the Freedom Group. And it opens up three times a year. It happens to be open right now. It's a coaching group where you can pursue your goals of ending emotional eating and losing any extra weight you might have, and just generally learning all about your emotions to bring more happiness into your life. And I'm the coach, and there's a beautiful group of women, just like some of you listeners. So Catherine is going to have a little link in the show notes if you're interested. But here are some of the things that we do. I take my group through the same program that I use with my private clients. And I teach you why you failed in the past, so you can stop repeating the same errors over and over again. I also teach you how to become a natural eater, or I should say how to go back to being the natural eater that you were when probably when you were born, and also help you figure out how do you want to eat, meaning what foods feel right in your body, how to develop your personal eating plan. And also, of course, how to learn about your emotions and manage your mind. We talk about self-care and habits, motivation, perfectionism, backsliding, basically everything that you've encountered so that you can become your own expert. You can become your own guru and be able to coach yourself through anything that life throws your way. 
So that that is the Freedom Group. And if you're interested, um, check it out and email me if you have any questions. But we are closing soon for 2017 and we'll open up again in January. Thanks so much for sharing that about your group, Cookie. And also, thank you for being here today as my first interview guest. Thank you, Catherine. Absolutely my pleasure. Awesome. And I know it will be very helpful to everyone who hears this and who struggles with these other problematic eating habits. And as Cookie said, you can find a link to learn more about her Freedom Group in the show notes. And there's also a link to get her free ebook as well and my free ebook. And we truly hope that you'll take advantage of these resources. I hope that you'll join me again next time. And as always, I want to encourage you and remind you that you have the power to change your brain and live a binge-free life. The Brain Over Binge podcast is produced and recorded by Brain Over Binge Recovery Coaching, LLC. All work is copyrighted by Brain Over Binge Recovery Coaching, LLC, and all rights are reserved. As a disclaimer, the hosts of the Brain Over Binge podcast are not professional counselors or licensed healthcare providers, and this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice or any form of professional therapy. Eating disorders can have serious health consequences, and you are strongly advised to seek medical attention for matters relating to your health. Please get help when you need it, and good luck on your journey.